Oh, we're ready? Okay, praise the Lord. Okay, Tuesday night Bible study, we're on the line, I think, so one more time. So let's come to the Lord and ask Him to bless what we're going to do tonight. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank You and praise You for one more opportunity to spend with You, Lord, in Your Word and to talk about You and Your magnificent, wonderful things that You do. What an awesome God You are. Lord, we praise You and thank You because You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And God of gods, and you're our king and our Lord. And, Lord, we're not servants anymore. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. And, Lord, we praise you and thank you for it. Now, we ask you to bless everything we do here tonight as we read and study and talk about the promises of God. Lord, I thank you and praise you for being our God and blessing us with all the things you bless us with. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the King. Now, then, we'll start out here with a question. And uh, the, uh, today, as I was coming back from uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, I was flying along there and I'm reading my Bible. And uh, I'm reading about a lot of these promises. And I, th- I think about this. And this is in uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 8. And this is in the Living Bible, the translation that I've got here in my outline today. The Living Bible. It says, yes, he will answer them quickly. But the question is, when I, the Messiah, return, how many will I find who have faith and are praying? Wow. wonder how many of us he's going to find that has faith and are praying when he returns. Well, if he came today... Uh, I will just tell you that, praise the Lord, I don't, I, I, I would love to think that there's a multitude of people out there that has faith and is praying, but I don't believe that's really true. You know, I really don't. I, I think that, I mean, I know when you get outside of the, you, I mean, even within the walls of the church, most people don't have faith and pray anymore. We just don't know what the word means. I mean, we've got to the point where, in fact, I talked to a preacher today. After I got off the airplane, I ran into a guy. And, of course, I'm talking about Jesus. And, oh, he said, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, are you? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I went to Christ for the nations. I said, well, praise the Lord. That's great. But he said, I'm just about ready to give up on God. I said, what do you mean, ready to give up on God? He said, well, God, don't answer my prayers. I said, now, wait a minute, there's something wrong if God don't answer your prayer. Because I said, you're looking at a guy that lived there for many, many years of his life, where I didn't get my prayers answered either. But I said, when I started doing it God's way, I said, he started answering my prayers in a big way. I said, now, if you're not getting your prayers answered, then you're doing something wrong. And he said, well, I... I don't think I'm sinning. said, I think I'm living totally, completely right. And I said, well, you're doing something wrong. And he said, well, uh, I was trying to do everything right. I went to Christ for the nations and tried to become a preacher and started building a church, which the church he named, I won't name, uh, but it's a big church in the Metroplex. Uh, he was one of the first ones on it. And he asked me if I knew a couple of pastors out there. And I told him, yes, I knew, I knew, I knew who he was talking about. And they're great men of God. I know him personally. And uh, he said, uh, things haven't went very well. He said, uh, uh, I used to be a multimillionaire. 
And uh, he said, I'm now completely broke. I said, my wife left me, said she committed adultery, uh, got pregnant with another guy and had a baby that wasn't mine. And he said, uh, now here I'm out of driving with these vans running around circles all day long. And he was just grumbling and complaining about that. And I told him, I said, well, sir, all I got to tell you is, and he said, I'm 39 years old. So I didn't ask for that information. He just volunteered all this information. I said, all I got to say, if you're 39 years old and you were a multimillionaire and you're broke and your wife's left you, you were not doing what God told you to do. That's number one. You were not doing what God told you to do. I said, if you made multi-millions, you probably made it not putting God first. Because if, if you'd have put God first, you'd have been tithing doing what he said. I said, he would have blessed you. I said, now, if you'd been taking care of that wife like God told you to, she wouldn't have left you and went and found another man and committed adultery. I said, she wouldn't have done that if you had been loving her like Christ loved the church. And I said, I have another word for you. I said, if you keep grumbling about driving this van, you're going to be driving this sucker a long time. And when we got in the car, Cheryl says, why did you say that to him? I said, honey, I'm led by the Spirit. Whatever comes out, that's what comes out. It's from God. So I said, that's the whole thing. You know, and I'm going to tell you that when you go through the trials and tests, I know another man, just to talk about this faith, I know another man that was a great man of God. He loved the Lord. He was not a preacher at the time. But he went to a church one day, and a preacher met him head on and pointed right a finger right at him and said, and this guy was a millionaire, and he was a multimillionaire too. And he was serving God pretty well. He was doing pretty everything pretty close to right, as far as you could tell. And this preacher walked up to him, put his finger right in his face, said, God told me to tell you he's fixing to put you to the test in the financial world. And he said, I ain't never. He said, I'm raised up in a Baptist church, and I ain't never had nobody say nothing to me like that. But he went to some other kind of church. And this preacher that walked up and put his finger in his face said, God told me to tell you, fix to put you to the test in the financial world. He's going to find out what you're made out of. He said, I didn't know what to say. But he said, I was making about $5,000 a day clear profit in my businesses. Now, this has been 30 years ago. You know, 5000 a day 30 years ago wasn't bad money. That's net profit. That's not income. That's profit. That's how this guy was a multimillionaire. Well... One of his big plants up in Kansas, he started having some problems with, so he thought he'd better go up there and check it out. And he went up there, and the lady that was a general manager of the thing had embezzled tens of thousands of dollars from him, and the place was ready to go bankrupt. And then another one, and first thing you know, the four or five businesses he owned, all of them within a matter of months went under. And he went from making millions a year to working for Sears for 165 bucks a week as a salesman. Now, how would you like to take a plunge like that? You know, that, nobody wants to take a plunge like that, right? But he said, this preacher told me, as you go through your trials and tests, don't you grumble and complain. And so he said, I remembered what he said. And he said, I didn't grumble and complain. And he said, three years I went through that test of faith. Three years. And it cost him his companies, all his money, and his wife left him. She said, if you can't provide for me like, she said, I'm not going to live with you. She didn't love him. She loved his money. So she left him. It left him all alone. But he said, I remember what that preacher said. Don't you grumble and complain. So he said, I praise God that I had this $165 a week job. Three years he went through that. And then all of a sudden, one day, a little piece of land he had somewhere in Florida or something 
a guy called him and said, that little piece of land you had down here, they're building all out in that area. He said, it's worth some money. Would you like to sell it? And he said, yes. He needed the money. So he sold it. Sold it for a tremendous profit. And then everything started going back uphill again. And today that guy is a preacher, and he is worth millions again. But see, he passed his test. Now, how many of you think that God will put you to the test? I guarantee he will put you to the test. And you, most of the time, you won't like the test. But if you go through that test praising him, you won't have to stay in that test near as long as you do if you grumble and complain. Right, Steve? You don't want to get there. You don't want to go there grumbling and complaining. So I think about this. The church today, how many of us grumble and complain? How many of us don't have faith? But the Lord says here, the question is, when I, the Messiah, return, how many will I find who have faith and are praying? Well, I wonder what the answer is going to be to that. I don't think there's a lot of faith in the church today. I think we think we know what faith is, but I, we don't know what it is. I didn't. I had no idea what true faith in God was. But let me tell you something else that I didn't know. I didn't know how seriously that we break the first commandment. You know, when the Lord says in his word, you are to have no other gods before me. Nothing. You are to put me first. You are to talk about me. You are to worship me. You are to praise me. And when I would read back in the scriptures in the Old Testament, he said, if you don't worship me and praise me and put me first, he said, you will surely perish. That's kind of scary, isn't it? So you wonder why we have so much sickness and disease, you know, even in the church, because people don't worship and praise Him. They don't even talk about Him. You know, I mean, on the job. How many people do you know that are on the job and out to where they work? And during the course of the week, they never mention Jesus' name, except they take it in vain. Never talk about Jesus in the workplace. Never give Him no glory. Never pray over your food. I mean, when you when they bring food, you go out to eat with a bunch of girls or guys. I mean, you, you don't want to make them think you're a Christian and ask that you can pray over the food before we eat it. But that's a command from God that you do that. He says in 2 Timothy 4, we are to sanctify everything we eat with the Word of God in prayer with thanksgiving. We're to put Him first. And if we don't put Him first, He said, you shall surely perish. So, you know, you stop and think about the magnitude of this. What if you, with the foods that we eat today, there is so many nutrients lacking in the foods and so much junk that they put in it. You know, I mean, you know, some of the things like the feedlots and everything else where they feed cattle, they put, and chickens and everything, they put stuff in there to make them grow rapidly so they can make more money. But yet it's not good for our physical bodies. And we're consuming that stuff. And if we're not sanctifying what we eat, with the Word of God in prayer, with thanksgiving, then that stuff can affect us and it can take our lives prematurely. But if we can pray over it and sanctify it with the Word of God in prayer and thank the Lord for it and ask Him to take out everything that's poisonous and put in everything that it don't have so that it would be a blessing to our bodies, then He will do that and our bodies will be healthy. But who would ever think about that? Well, only people that have faith. Only people that read the Word of God. You know, otherwise, the rest of us that are not doing this, we will miss these things and it will cut our lives short on this earth. 
But the Lord's looking for those that have faith and is praying when he comes. In Luke eighteen seventeen, he says here, And anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get within the kingdom's gates. You mean we have to have faith to get into the kingdom of God? Yes, we do. If we, if we don't have faith, faith in the Word of God, when we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus the Lord, we've got to do that in faith, don't we, Steve? You can't just do that. You can't just give lip service to that. And how many people today that you know that give lip service only to being a Christian? They come to church on Sunday and they don't profane his name. And maybe they come to church on Sunday, but when they leave on Sunday, then maybe Monday, they're as good a dirty joke teller as anybody else. Maybe they watch the same dirty soap operas on Monday that the world watches. I mean, I don't know about you, but I had to turn the television off. In fact, I was telling someone here a while back, I said, you know, in fact, in fact, I was even mentioning it to Dave on the way over here tonight. I said, you know, I keep saying I turned the television off ten years ago. But that's been ten years I've been telling that story. <laughs> At least, maybe fifteen. So I turned the television off somewhere between twenty and twenty-five years ago. I quit watching the stuff. But, you know, you, you watch television today. I mean, you, you can go through all kinds of channels. In fact, last night as we were in South Carolina... They put us up in a Fairfield Inn dinner. We flew over there to pray for a boy in a hospital. Flew back today over to Spartanburg, South Carolina. That's all we went over there for, pray for a boy in a hospital. Came back. And while I was there last night, I turned on the television. They put us up in a very beautiful room. It was like a suite in the Fairfield Inn and had uh, two huge 35-inch televisions in it. I thought, wow. So I turned the TV on, CNN's on. So, so I watched a couple of minutes of the war. And then I flipped down through until I found Jack Van Impey last, you know, on one of the Christian television. And I watched him. And I guess I shouldn't have done that because about five minutes after he come on at one o'clock this morning, Cheryl got ready and came to bed. And she lay there with me and watched that uh, 30 minutes. And uh, uh, then after that, she is full of questions. What about the white horse? What about the gray horse? When's Jesus coming? I finally told her, I said, honey, I don't know. <laughs> we got to get up in the morning, catch an airplane, go back to Dallas. I said... Those are areas that God has not given me a lot of revelation in. I know a whole lot more about healing and deliverance and faith than I know about the second coming of Christ and all those things that Jack Vamey talks about. But that's why I like to listen to him, because he knows more scripture than any human being I think I ever met in my life. This guy quotes the Word of God. I mean, and he never opens the Bible, does he, Keith? I mean, just all over the book. He must know... 10,000 or 20,000 scriptures, I guess. I don't know how many he knows, but he knows a lot. So anyway, I think, you know, it's amazing how some people have been given revelation. Because I think about myself. I remember one night talking about faith in different levels. Here I am, a faith man in healing. And have seen hundreds and thousands of people healed. Well, we had a man on our television show one night over here at Daystar, when we used to have a TV program. And after the show was over, the night we all went to eat together, and he's talking about how sick and afflicted he had been. And one of the men is laughing, and he looked over at me and thinks, I wonder what Thurman's thinking about this preacher talking about how often he's been sick. <clears throat> and we walked out there. He said, I didn't want to say anything, but what did you think about that? I said, well, 
I, I think he knows about as much about healing and faith as I do about dreams and visions. Now, the, his expertise was in dreams and visions. I have virtually no revelation in dreams and visions. I don't understand them. I can't read them. I don't know them. But he does. And he knew those things inside out, upside down, and backwards. And it's amazing the revelation God had given him in that area. But when it comes to healing, he had no revelation. So here he was, sick and afflicted and tormented so much, all because he didn't know what faith was in that area. Now, you can have faith in certain areas and see great things happen, can't you? And not have faith in other areas. You know, so it's something that we need to really get in here and study the Word to get as much faith as we possibly can in every one of these areas. Because the more faith you have, the more knowledge you have about the Word, the greater will be your answers to your prayers. And hey, if there's anything we want when the devil attacks, we want to be able to get our prayers answered, right? I'm telling you, because that beast is going to attack. You can be assured. I don't care who you are. There's not a single one of us in this room hadn't been attacked by the devil several times in our life. And of course, some of us didn't know it was the devil. Some of us just thought it was just a way of life. But it's not. It's the enemy. The enemy that comes to attack us. And I think about, I think about last night... As the hours I sat there beside the bed with this little boy, when these demons of hell would activate in him. And here he's, he was in a car wreck two years ago. He's 18 years old now, and he's been virtually semi-comatose for two years. And in the process of this trauma, these demons entered him, and he, he can't talk. But this devil, although there was nothing wrong with his physical body, he only hit his head. But now then his body, one leg is stiff and he can't uh, hardly turn, move an arm any more than about that far and he can't, couldn't open his hand. There was all kinds of complications and knots coming up on his feet and a foot stretched out straight. All these things have happened because of demonic activity in his body. And when he would go to, a, when one of those spirits of pain would activate in his body, he can't scream, but his little body, that arm would straighten out and that fist would, and that arm would turn over backwards, upside down, and he'd open his mouth and try to scream. And he couldn't. You could see the pain. And when I walked in, that's what he was... And so then I said, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and command you to stop it. And as I began to rebuke him, that pain would just stop and he'd just get completely relaxed, relaxed. Well, I sat there beside that little boy's bed from 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon till 10 o'clock last night. And every time that demon would manifest in his body, I would take authority and command that thing to leave. Probably for a three-hour period while I'm sitting there, it got, finally got to the point where every time he'd start to nod, I'd say, No, you devil, in the name of Jesus. And he'd go back to totally relax. It's amazing the battle we fight with the devil. But finally, after 10 o'clock last night, we left, 10.30, whatever it was. And this morning, we contacted the lady, and she said he had an, after we left, a couple hours after we left, he had an awful night. An awful night. Isn't that amazing? The devil. The devil. He don't want to give up. He's a beast. So, see, here's what you have to realize. I prayed for that boy and rebuked the devil and him. And I don't care when they call and said he had the worst night. If he had a call and said he had the worst night he ever had, I still got to declare he's healed. 
Because when Jesus said, when I pray, i got to pray in faith and nothing doubting. Just like when I prayed for Caitlin. I don't care what happened. I didn't care what that devil throwed at me. I don't care who they were. I don't care what they said. I don't care if it was the head of Neil Rogers that said, we're going to unplug her this week and there ain't no way she can live. She's going to die when we unplug her. I had to say, no, I don't buy that in the name of Jesus. You see where I'm coming from? you got to stay in. you got to believe this book. Now, how many of us that do you know today that have faith like that? Well, there's not near enough of us. But every one of us that are Christians should have that kind of faith. If God made you and me a promise, and I would like to say this mother and daddy, they had faith. Especially this mother. This woman had faith. She was a woman of faith. And I appreciate that. And something else that, was, that so awestrucks me every time we go like this. Here's two women that I've never seen in my life. Cheryl and I have never seen these people. These two ladies come running toward us when we come down the stairs and say, I know, we know who you are. And they run up to us and hug us. We feel like we've known you forever. How can they do that? Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. They've watched my DVDs and I have become a personal friend of theirs in their home. But I've never been there. And when I got to the mother and father, same thing. The father grabbed me, hugged me. The mother grabbed me and everything. And we spent all evening yesterday in a hospital room with five people we have never seen before yesterday. And I'm telling you, from the minute I walked in that place, I felt at home like I was my brothers and sisters that I'm comfortable with all my life. You all know where I'm coming from? Now then, can you imagine, if we can do that on earth, can you imagine what it's going to be like when we actually get to heaven? You know, can you imagine I mean, that's the way it should be with brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to learn to fight these battles together. And that's what, that's what faith is all about. Then Jesus says, if after we've got to have this kind of faith, and then in Luke uh, 18, 42, and Jesus said, All right, begin seeing your faith has healed you. Think about this. This man that needed to be healed, Jesus spoke to him in Luke 18:42 and said, "All right, began seeing your faith has healed you. Your faith." So what is it that we lack? Faith. We have to have this total belief in the word of God. And if we have total belief in the Word of God, in fact, one of those ladies asked me last night, we went out to uh, Applebee's after 10 o'clock or 10.30, whatever it was. That's about the only thing over there we could find open to have a bite to eat last night. So we went to have something to eat. And she says, what is it that develops this kind of faith in you? I said, well, in the Word, getting in the Word, staying in the Word, and turning the world off. I said, television, radio, newspapers, Everything, you've got to get rid of everything and just meditate on God's Word over and over and over and over. And I said, as you do that, your faith comes. But I said, there's an enemy that's so close to the kind of faith that works, and most people step into that faith. She said, what kind is it? I said, sense knowledge faith. I said, now, sense knowledge faith, is it works on the five physical senses. I know there's a chair sitting there because I see it. You know, not because somebody told me, if I'm in that room in yonder, somebody says there's 50 chairs set up in here, gray ones with chrome bands on them. I got to believe by faith that man told me the truth. 
And that if I, I have to say, I believe because he told me there's 50 chairs set up in there with chrome covers on them and gray seats on them. They're really in there. Now then, if I got total faith in you, somebody says, if that's not true, we're going to kill you. Now, if I got total faith in you, I'm going to trust you with my life. Right, brother? I'm going to say, he told me that's in there. I know that's in there. Now, that's revelation faith. You're putting your life on the line of what somebody said. Well, now, that's the kind of faith that we have to have in God. God said it. You can't see it, but you've got to believe it. That's revelation faith. But you know what we are? Okay, you pray for me. I got an appointment with the doctor Thursday. And if, I, if I'm healed before Thursday, I know God heard your prayer. I'm going to tell you that ain't going to work. That faith will not work. But that's the kind of faith that most of us have. It's sense, knowledge, faith. But sense, knowledge, faith will not bring God on the scene. You've got to use what's written in the book. If Jesus said it, you've got to believe it. And if, if we pray for you... And you walk out that door, and all of a sudden, a symptom comes right back on you. You say, oh my gosh, I'm worse than I was when I went in there. I didn't get anything in there tonight. Let me tell you, you didn't get anything tonight. But if that symptom comes back up on you right after you walk out that door, you say, you devil of hell, you might as well get out. Because that preacher never prayed for me, and we stood on God's word. And he said it, so that's done, as far as I'm going to, it's over. I have my promise, and it's done. And that kind of faith will bring God on the scene. That'll bring him on the scene. And your manifestation will come. Now, how long is it going to take? That's the only thing God don't tell me. That's how long. Just like Caitlin. You know, I jumped. My faith was so great, I jumped out there with such great faith. I made the crazy statement. I guarantee you my little granddaughter will be up out of this hospital running and playing in a week. That's the kind of faith I had in our God. But in a week, she ain't moved a muscle. Some of them come to me and said, you know, you were wrong. She ain't going to live. I said, she may not, I may have missed the timing. But I said, I guarantee she's going to live. I am never going to that unbelief. I'm standing on the promises of God. I didn't make the statement about Kelly. I just said, Lord, raise her up and do such a mighty miracle of healing and restoration. Everybody will know only you could have did it. And he'd done that in two weeks. See, that's the only thing about God we don't know is when he's going to do it. But he promised to do it, didn't he? And the time from the time we pray till the manifestation comes, we got to stay in revelation faith. Now, if you get off into sense knowledge faith, so I said, no, I'm not sure that's going to work. I sure had a bad symptom today. I'm not sure God heard that preacher's prayer. I'm not sure he heard mine. I hope he's going to do this for me. There ain't no faith in nothing you're doing. And it is not going to bring God on the scene. You're not going to get your answer from God. He's not that kind of God. You know, or somebody says, well, I got this little bitty sin. I like to watch pornography on the Internet. Nobody knows I do it, just me. No, God knows. And he ain't going to answer your prayer when you do that either. Or I just, I have to lie to my boss every once in a while because he, has, he pins me down. And if I were to tell him the truth, I, I, I'd get in trouble. Well, he ain't going to answer your prayer there either. You know, so you've got to purify yourself from sin. And the church has totally missed the, the requirements of the holiness that God requires the church to walk in today. I mean, we think we can go and do anything we want to. 
But if we do not get our answer to prayer, we are not doing what God says. We're not doing what He said. I don't know what that is. Something I said. Oh, telephone? Okay. But anyway, let's go on here a little further. Uh, after we go down a little bit further in Luke, we go to Luke 22. It says, but I have in Luke 22, uh, 32. <coughs> Luke 22, 32. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not completely fail. So when you have repented, well, when you have done what? Repented and turned to me again, strengthened and built up the faith of your brothers. What is it? You know, we read these little things and we fail to get a hold of these little things that he puts in here. When you have repented and turned to me again. Some people say, well, I don't have to repent to get God to do something. Oh, yes, you do. You know, if you don't repent, you're not going to get a whole lot from God. All, everywhere in the scripture, he says, I'm the God that forgives all of your iniquities. Well, how does he forgive them? When you ask. Not automatic. That's right. You've learned that well, haven't you? <laughs> so the secret is don't go there and sin, right? And then you don't have to worry about repenting. Praise the Lord. That's so, but it's pretty hard not to have a. Always be ready to repent. I'm telling you, that's exactly right. Be always ready to repent. Repent and stand in faith and walk in love. I mean, that will bring the king on the scene. I mean, then he says in Acts three, Acts three sixteen. In Acts three sixteen, one of the most awesome miracles that people done. And what Jesus, uh, that somebody else, that Peter did in the name of Jesus. And this is the way we have to get this done. We have to realize we have to have faith in the king to get these kind of things done. And it says, and they asked ask in Acts chapter 3 verse 16. It says, the answer was, Jesus' name has healed this man. Jesus' name. The name of Jesus has healed this man. And you know how lame he was before. Everybody knew that this man that sat at the gate, beautiful, had been there for years and he was lame in both legs. He couldn't walk. Maybe he had cerebral palsy. Who knows what he had? But Peter walked up there, as you know, in faith in the name of Jesus. And then he says, faith in Jesus' name, faith given us from God, has caused this perfect healing. Now, this is all the living Bible I'm reading. I pulled all these scriptures out of the Living Bible to put these on paper. But if we have faith in the name of Jesus, if we are walking anywhere close to obedience to God's word, doing what he says, and we're walking in love, then the God kind of faith will be in us. And that faith will work. That faith will bring forth these kind of miracles. Well, these kind of miracles are almost non-existent. I mean, I've, I've walked with God in a church. I mean, went to church, served as a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, and everything until I was 40 years old and never saw a healing or a miracle. Didn't even know there was... I never even heard of one. You know, I mean, how can you be in church every time the doors open for 40 years of your life with a miracle-working God, supposedly... 
in, in the man that's standing in the pulpit and never see God do a miracle or a healing. But I, I went to a church like that. Some of you may have been in a church like that. You know, that you didn't know that God did things today. I didn't even have enough faith to pray. You know, I didn't know God was a miracle worker other than reading about what he did in the New Testament. I didn't know he would do those kind of things for me today. Did you? I mean, did you go to a church like that? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? But when you learn that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, you can stand in faith for things now, can't you? It changed your life too, doesn't it? It changed mine. It changed yours. But I love to see God do miracles. I love to see him do healings. That's why Cheryl and I flew all the way down to Spartanburg, South Carolina for this couple. And the only reason we went is to pray for a boy. You know. Now then, you either got to believe God will do miracles or healings. You don't get up on Monday morning and fly halfway across the United States and spend eight or ten hours in a boy's hospital room and then get up today and fly back if you don't think God's answered your prayer. You know, I could have done a whole lot of things I'd rather done, you know, if I in the world. But in the spirit, I'd a whole lot rather go and see God heal that boy than anything else I can think of. That, I'd love that. And the last words for the mother and the father as well as the other family. They said, it won't be long. We're going to come to Dallas to a healing school. And he's going to come and give his testimony. I said, praise God. I'm, lo- I'm waiting for that. Because I believe that's going to happen. Because the king, the king told us that he'd answer our prayer, didn't he? And we've seen him do it lots of other times. So we, don't, we have no doubt that that boy's going to walk in that door one day. And with his mother and dad, and he's going to be up here, and it's going to be hard for you to believe that he was virtually an invalid for two years, but that God has completely restored him. But I will have to say that mother and daddy, especially that mother, I come back to mothers. Praise God for mothers. They seem to have more faith for their children than anybody else. Mothers just have more faith believing in their children than daddies do. I mean, I don't know what that is about mothers, but it's some kind of a instinct in there, just like Betty Baxter's mother. She was the only one that stood in faith for Betty. Only one. Everybody else give up. But mother didn't even give up whenever the doctor said, Betty is dead. You know, many of you have heard her testimony back there. It's an awesome. If you hadn't, you need to get that DVD and listen to it. But man, that mother had that faith. I don't care if you said my daughter's dead. I ain't believing that. I'm still standing on the word. And Jesus raised that girl from the dead and healed her. And today she's a woman, beautiful woman, still going across this country preaching the word of God. But she has faith. She learned what it is. But it was faith in the name of Jesus that made this man healed. Now then, we have to have that same kind of faith. If we have that kind of faith. But let me tell you, just like I told Nancy, the lady, last night at dinner, she's asking me about how you had this kind of faith. I said, here's what will always happen to you. The minute you start to take God's word and step out on one of these promises. I said, you may see somebody or have somebody have a need, whatever it is. And you may step over there to pray for them or to say something to them. And the devil immediately a thought will come and say, well, what if he don't do it for you this time? You're going to look like a fool. And you know what? He gets through to most of us right there. Most of us listen to that thought, not realizing it's the devil, 
we're thinking that thought comes just from us, and we're afraid. You know, we won't continue to go do something because that thought that came from within, we thought, which came from the enemy. But what if he don't do it for you this time? You're going to look like a fool. I said, I hear that regularly. Regularly. But see, you've got to get past that. You've got to get past it to the point. You've got to get to the point where you believe the Word of God. And God made us a book full of promises. I mean, they're in there. There's lots of them. So you've got to get over that. Then in Acts 6, 5, he says, This sounded reasonable to the whole assembly, and they elected the following. Stephen, a man, 6, 6, Acts 6, 6. Stephen, a man unusually full of faith. Now, what kind of faith do you want? The same kind he had. Stephen, a man unusually full of faith, and look what else he had. The Holy Ghost. Now then, if you're raised up in a denomination that don't believe the Holy Ghost is a powerful entity, you need to find you another denomination. <laughs> you know, because without the Holy Ghost, forget it. You can't get nothing done. And that lady today was telling me she's taking us to the airplane this morning. She said uh, her brother-in-law was extremely sick, and uh, uh, her sister, she told her, said, I'd like to come over and pray for whatever, Bob or Jack or whatever his name was. And she said, well, I understand that you speak in some kind of a crazy tongue, so no, we don't want you to come. Now, why do you think this woman gets things done when she prays? Because she is full of faith and she has the Holy Spirit. If you ain't got the Holy Spirit, what can you do? Nothing. Forget it. You might as well stay at home. That's why as a Southern Baptist all those years, I didn't see God do nothing because I didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was. Nobody ever taught me about Him. I didn't know He was real. I mean, yeah, I'd heard about the Holy Spirit, but I just thought, well, I get all I get whenever I accept Jesus. Just like they told me. And so I never seen an answer to prayer or nothing. I never witnessed or nothing. But the morning that I asked Jesus to fill me with the Holy Spirit in my pickup, he came in that pickup and things happened to me that had never happened to me before. And I stepped out with a boldness from that day forth. And I've been bold as a lion ever since. So don't tell me that don't work. You got to me too late. You know, that's the day that my boldness went over the hump was when I asked the Lord to fill me with the mighty Holy Spirit. And I didn't even know. I just said, Lord, if that Holy Spirit's real, and I believe He is, I want Him. And I want you to fill me. Because I just heard a Baptist preacher the day before Sunday morning say that there is no such thing as a second event called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I told the Lord that Monday morning when I drove by that church, I said, Lord, I believe that preacher loves you with all his heart. I believe he loves you with all the knowledge he has. But I don't think he understands you. And I said, I may not understand you either, Lord, but from what I'm reading in this book, I believe there is a second event. I mean, I said, I can read. And it looks to me like several times the Holy Spirit came upon people, baptized them, and great and awesome things happened. I said, I want that Holy Spirit. If he's real, fill me with him. And man, he come in that truck. And he filled me in that truck. And I'm telling you, what an event. You don't never get over those things. And you don't want to get over those things. Praise the Lord. But... Stephen was a man 
unusually full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on and names a few people there uh, uh, who became Christians and so forth. But Stephen, when you go down to uh, verse 8, it says, Stephen, the man so full of faith and the Holy Ghost, Spirit's power and spectacular miracles among the people. He did spectacular things among the people. Now, wait a minute. If this guy was unusually full of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit's power, and because he had this full faith, and he went about doing unusual, spectacular miracles, maybe we need to listen to what is going on here. Maybe we need to ask for that same thing. Don't you think? So if you see in the Scriptures where God says there was a man unusually full of the Holy Spirit's power and faith, and he went about and did spectacular miracles among the people, well then, I'm going to say, Lord, I want to be like Stephen, don't you? I don't want to be like me when I was a Baptist deacon. You know, I mean, as a Baptist deacon, way back yonder, when I didn't have no faith at all, I never prayed for nobody, never seen nothing. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I never even saw anybody get saved. So no salvations, no healings, no deliverances, no answers to prayer, no nothing. Who wants to be like me? Nobody. But when you start stepping out in faith and you start praying for people and you start seeing miracles happen and healings happen and all kinds of wonderful things happen, then everybody wants to be like you. Why? Because you stepped into a world that they all want. Everybody. I I mean, did you know that I was in church all my life and I didn't even know there was men that had walked on this earth in the last hundred years or uh, since Jesus? I didn't know there was men and women out there that was doing the great and awesome things. I didn't know about all that stuff. We don't teach it in the Baptist church. We don't even talk about it in the Baptist church. Why? You'd think we'd be giving glory to God for the things He's doing. But we didn't. And of course, you know, I can remember, you know, you drive down the street and you say, hey, there's a church over there that says Assembly of God or Pentecostal or whatever. And if they, somebody, and we yeah, don't want to get over there. Then people there, they, they bounce off the walls in there. You, you, I've heard strange say about them crazy Assemblies of God or them crazy Pentecostals. Don't, what? You think, they bounce off the walls. Yeah, they do. Cra- I've heard they do crazy things. Don't ever get involved with them people. There's devils in that place. <laughs> I didn't know the Spirit was in that place. <laughs> and that's what we all want, the Spirit of God. I think about this one Pentecostal guy. I saw him. Um, he used to be on TV until he went home to be with Jesus. And I got so tickled to him. Some of you may have seen him. I can't remember his name now. But he was full of faith and power. He was a great man of God. He was a much older man. He said, I was asked to, a whole bunch of Pentecostals were get together, and they needed, I think, five or six million dollars to build some kind of a building. They'd ask him to be the one that to put all this plan together and to meet with all these Pentecostal preachers so their churches and all that stuff could give this money to build this facility, whatever it was. And so he had worked diligently. He would prayed. He had everything together. He stands up on the platform that day. And there's two or three thousand people out there in this big audience he's going to speak to. And he said, I'm really, you know, sweating what I'm going to do because I got such a big job to raise all this money to build this facility. And said, I step up on a platform and some guy jumps out of the aisle back there and starts jumping up and down like a jackrabbit. 
And he said, I said, thought to myself, God, that guy's going to upset the whole thing. That's a devil. And he said, that guy began to jump around and said, he's t- drawing all of the attention. He said, and I, finally I said, God, kill him, kill him. <laughs> he said, I didn't know it was God. But this guy was jumping around, and he said this guy started jumping around all over the place, running around and doing all kinds of strange things. And he started saying to everybody, give, give money, give money. And he said, I never even got to preach. And he said, more than six million came in that night. <laughs> That's what happens in Pentecostal meetings. You don't want to go to one of them crazy things. God might show up there. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what God can do to get our attention? If, if a man is full of the Holy Ghost and power, it may look stupid to you what God is doing. But I'm going to tell you, God says he <laughs> confounds the wise with some of the things he does. But you know, he's awful smart too, because I remember that the times that I've had people, especially this one lady, she came up here after a healing school and she told me what the problem she had and I asked her how long she'd had it. She said 15 years. I said, what kind of sin did you commit just before you got this? And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted her. And she thought. And so I prayed for her. And when I prayed for her, I just quoted the word, laid my hands on her gently, rebuked the spirits, and commanded her to be healed in the name of Jesus. And she stopped a minute and she says, I've never been to a healing school. My church don't do these kind of things. She says, but I'm not going to fall down or nothing. I said, well, no, ma'am, I don't guess unless you want to. I said, I don't, if Jesus puts you on the floor, but I said, she said, is that all there is to this? I figured you're just going to jump up and down, scream, holler, and hit me or something. I said, no, ma'am, I just pray the prayer of faith for you, and then it's up to Jesus. He's the one that said, I don't do none of that stuff. And she said, well, okay. She said, that's all there is to it. She turned right here and walked back there and reached down to pick up her purse and what she had wrong with her, from her elbows to her fingertips, for 15 years, both arms were numb. And she reached down to pick up her purse. And for the first time in 15 years, she could feel her purse. And she was so excited, she reached down with the other hand to grab it, and she could feel it with that one. And then she came back and repented. She said, I had been diagnosed with one of three things, which the least of the three would be lupus, and she's on the way over here. I prayed and said, God, please let me have lupus. Now, that's the height of stupidity, Shelley. I thought you were crazy, sir. Because you know better than that. You would never do that. But she didn't know this, see. She'd been raised in the wrong kind of church. So now then she realized this is the enemy. She repents for all of her sins. And the next month or two, whenever it was, a couple of months later when she came back, this woman was walking in divine health. I mean, she had been back to the doctor. They checked her. The, all the symptoms of everything was gone. She said, I never dreamed that it was so simple just to repent of my sins and believe God and have a man of faith pray for me. And he healed me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Well, that's how simple God made it. But he didn't make it hard. But we make it hard. But we got to have this same kind of faith that Stephen did. See, I, I guarantee that lady. I said, if you'll believe God, since you've repented of your sins, I guarantee you he'll heal you. And he did. Well, see, if I had said, I hope he will, or maybe he will, then there wouldn't have been no faith from my part. And God have said, whoops, I'm sorry, I can't answer your prayer. That's not in faith. I made the promise. I told you to, these signs shall follow in the believes. You shall lay hands on the sick and drive out devils and I'll heal. That's what he said. But he said, if you don't believe me, 
it won't happen. If you start that wavering stuff, there's no faith in that. So you see this man, Stephen, when we're talking about this faith, he was, according to Acts 6, Stephen was unusually full of faith and power. And he done these great and awesome things. I want to be unusually full of faith and power, don't you? Yes. That's the kind of faith I want. Because if it brought forth these kind of miracles, if, if Philip, I mean if Stephen in Acts uh, 6, 8, which was unusually full of faith and the Holy Spirit's power and did spectacular miracles among the people. In fact, one night I read that in a Baptist church in a deacon's meeting. I said, this is what's wrong with us. I said, Stephen was unusually full of the Holy Spirit and power. And I said, he even healed the cerebral palsy and everything else. I said, so that's obvious that we don't have what he had. He said, Thurman, you think all those other men didn't have the Holy Spirit? I said, well, there was something different. The rest of them didn't do those things. But this one said he was incredibly full of the Holy Ghost and power. Unusually full of the Holy Ghost and power. So I said, I want what Stephen had. I don't want what the rest of us got in this church. I said, we don't see God do nothing here. I don't want what you got. I want what he had. Isn't that where you want to walk? Yes. I don't know about you. You may be happy right where you are. But I'm not happy where I am. I don't want to stay down here where I have been all these years. I want to continue up the ladder. You know, I mean, we we go and pray for people all over. And we've seen God do awesome miracles, and some of them such awesome miracles. But, you know, I want to get to the place where my faith walk and my purity walk and my holiness walk is so fantastic in God's sight that when I walk into a hospital like that, I don't care how bad that boy was, I can see God completely heal and snap them bones. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being able to walk in every one of those places and pray the prayer of faith and seeing a boy like that get up out there and walk and run out of that place? Can you imagine what that would do? Uh, it's just, it's awesome. But that is available to you and me if we're full of the Holy Spirit and power with that great faith like Stephen had. But it's obvious that we don't have it. You know, there's sometimes God allows it to work in me because I've been able to see some of these miracles. But I want to see it every time. Ain't that the way we want to walk? Yes. We want to walk there. We know it's available. Then he says, in uh, Acts eleven twenty four, it says, Barnabas was a kindly person, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. Now, that's, that's Acts eleven twenty four. Now, what did he have? Now, the Living Bible, the reason I pulled these out there when I looked at this, it said, Barnabas was a kindly person. He was kind, walked in love. Did everything God said. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was strong in faith. And then look what it said happened when you had that first two. As a result, large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Now, how would you like to go out and preach the gospel and thousands come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? How would you like everybody you talk to? Now, let me tell you. If everybody you talk to on the street, you got them saved... I mean to tell you, there is not a larger miracle than there any, there's no miracle as great as salvation. You know, you have changed a person's eternal destiny. 
You know, every person that sits beside you, walks beside you, talks with you, you meet. If they deny Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can look at that person and see the flames of hell burning in their eyes. Think, they're going to go to hell. Every person you meet has eternal life somewhere. Do you know that once a human being is generated through conception and is born as a human being, that person is going to live forever somewhere. There's no such thing. It's just living a few years and then dying and put you in the grave and that's it. No. When you die, you're going to go one of two places. Either you're going to have eternal life and live with God in the kingdom of God, or you're going to go to everlasting fire and you're going to be burned and consumed forever. And there's going to be no end to that pain. I can't fathom that. But when that becomes a revelation to me, I have to talk to other people about Jesus. I can't stop to think that, can you imagine one day a man you worked with? Ten years maybe. Maybe you and this guy was worked in the same company or whatever. And maybe you were around him quite often. And one day in eternity... You had died and went home to be with Jesus. And one day you're at the white throne, you're at the great white throne where Jesus is, you're on the good side. You're over there and Jesus is sitting on the throne. And this man or woman that you worked with, they come up to be judged. And they looked over and they seen you. They said, Thurman, Thurman, I worked with you for 10 years. How come you're over there? Well, I said, well, I knew Jesus. You knew Jesus. When did you make Jesus Lord of your life? When I was 11. That means you knew him when you knew me. Why didn't you tell me about him? Why did you not tell me? If you had only told me. Well, how would you like for somebody to say that to you? Now, you know that person that you walked with, you were with, and they're going to burn in eternity forever, and you had the answer. And you wouldn't tell them. You wouldn't tell them because, well, I, I didn't want to intimidate them with the Word of God. I didn't want to make them feel bad. It's just like I remember a man, and I can remember his name so well because his name is the same as my son's, Tim. I remember this man's wife coming to our church. They had several children, half a dozen. And he was a hardworking guy. And she was a lovely woman that loved God with all of her heart. She loved to work in the nursery. And I said, where's your husband? Uh, she said, Thurman, he won't come to church with me. I said, well, give me y'all's address and I'll come by and talk to him. So she gave me the address. She said, he's not very receptive. I said, that's okay. I went and sat down and talked with him. I told him, I said, you know, you need to come to church with your wife. You need to make Jesus Lord of your life. Well, he said, I'm not interested. So I kept coming. Every three or four or five weeks, I'd stop by and talk with him. Finally, one day, I walked up to the door. I opened the door. And he said, you again. He said, don't you ever talk to me about Jesus. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. And I told him, I said, you know, the only reason I keep coming is because I love you. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I don't come and you die, you're going to go to hell and burn in a lake of fire forever. And he thought about that. And then he closed the door. And I walked off. Later he called me and said, "Will you come over and let's talk about this a little more. I went over and sat down with him and talked to him. He said, you mean tell me if I don't 
come to know Jesus on this earth, I'm going to die and go to hell. I said, that's absolutely right, Tim. That's what the Word says. No exceptions. You mean, you don't think if I've been a good guy to treat my wife and my children good? He was a good guy. He said, I won't go to heaven because of my good works. I said, no. Absolutely not. Anyway, that night, I had the privilege to lead that boy to Jesus. And he started coming to church. He got so involved in the church that later, within about three or four years, he was a deacon, serving on a deacon council with me. And then he was going visiting with me. And one night, he and I went visiting together. And we walked up to a house that a man that had come and visited the church. And it was about a week later. And the address, he had moved that week. And so when we got there on like Friday night, it was a different guy living in the apartment. I went up and knocked on the door and I said, I'm looking for so-and-so. He said, oh, uh, I just moved in here yesterday. I said, maybe he lived here before. I said, well, son, we come to talk to him about Jesus. I said, do you know Jesus? Well, he said, no. And I said, well, can we come in and talk to you about Jesus? He said, well, no, I'd rather, I'd rather you not. I said, son, don't you know Jesus loves you? And I, said, I don't know what all I said to him. And Tim didn't say a word. But we, finally, the young boy closed the door and we walked off. We went out and got in the car. Tim reached over and put his arm around me in big old tears. His eyes said, Thurman, we've got to come back. We've got to come back. He said, that boy was me. That boy was me just a few years ago. He said, I can remember when I told you, if you come to my house one more time, I was going to punch you out. And he said, you came back anyway. He said, I'm, he pulled me up real close. He said, I'm so grateful that you kept coming back. When you get saved, now you know the truth. And then you see, you see these things in the Spirit that you know these people that don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to die and go to hell. I don't want to see nobody do that, do you? Well, if we don't do something about it, there's going to be a lot of them do it. And here we, as the body of Christ, the church, we have the truth. We have the answers. And if we'll get in this book and study this book, not only will it bring health to your flesh, it'll give you power over the enemy, but it'll give you the strength and the power to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And just like Barnabas, when he went out and talked about Jesus, multitudes came to Christ. That's the greatest miracle of any. I mean, healing, that's wonderful. But this changes your life forever, for eternity. Healing only changes it for a little while. But God knows the body needs to be well. And he didn't make all of us with the same gifts. That's why he gave me the job of teaching people what is required to get healed. And so that's why he heals people through this ministry. Because he's called me to do this. So that's what I do. And as I teach you what he said and teach you about about faith and teach you about repenting. And you do that and then I get to pray for you. uh, God heals you. You know, well, you have seen him do it many, many times. And he's going to continue to do it. But Barnabas, a kindly person, he wasn't a wicked guy, full of the Holy Ghost and strong in faith. And as a result, large numbers of people were added to the kingdom, to the Lord. Not just a few. I could ask this question, but I I don't want you to hold up your hand because I don't want to intimidate anybody because I know there was a time when I would have been ashamed if somebody asked this question. And I couldn't have held my hand up because I could ask the question after I'd been a deacon and everything else in a Baptist church for years and a Sunday school teacher. Somebody said, well, how many people you led to Christ this last week? And I said, this last week I ain't led nobody. 
Well, how about in the last year? Well, I hadn't led nobody. Well, in the last 20 years, well, I ain't led nobody. Then what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with me by being a Sunday school teacher and a deacon all those years and never led nobody to Jesus. Well, I didn't have enough knowledge of the Word, hadn't spent enough time with God, and I was not full of the Holy Ghost. I didn't have the power that it takes. That's just like going out to work on a car and you ain't got a toolbox. What can you do for the car today without a toolbox? Full of tools. I mean, sophisticated, expensive ones. You can't do nothing. You might take the air cleaner off of it, and some of them you can't even take the air cleaner off without tools. You know, it takes tools. Well, if you had not got the tools, which is the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and the knowledge of the Word, you're not going to lead many people to Jesus, and you're sure not going to get nobody healed and delivered. You know, first time the devil raises his ugly head, and you run backwards like I used to. I mean, every time the devil kicked up in sickness and disease, I had no idea who he was. Had no idea who he was. So how can you do something, you know, that you don't know? But I thought about last night dealing with that young man, taking authority. I think how many times that devil starts to manifest, and I would command in the name of Jesus, and he'd get relaxed just like that. Stayed beside his bed for hours and did that. Hours. Every time you rebuke it, it stopped. Amazing what God does. But Barnabas was full of the Holy Ghost. And it says, here's a man in Acts uh, 14, 2. No, this is Acts 14, 9, excuse me. 14, 9. Paul was talking here in Acts 14, 9. 14, 8, excuse me, 14, 8. He was listening as Paul preached, and Paul noticed and realized that he had faith to be healed. What brings faith? The Word of God. Hearing the preaching of the Word of God. Now, if Paul was preaching the Word of God, and this man developed faith to be healed, what do you think Paul was preaching? Unbelief? No. He was preaching salvation and healing and deliverance. Faith does not come except you hear these words of faith in your area. How do people get saved? They hear that Jesus is the Savior. And they realize that by faith when they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And think he said he came to save the whole world. Now what if Jesus had said, I come to save everybody in the world but one. There's going to be one old wicked girl or boy I ain't going to save. You know who would have been able to get saved? None of us. Every time one of us started to do that, devil would have said, Yeah, Keith, but you're that wicked guy. <laughs> you're that wicked one. And he ain't going to do it for you. Wouldn't he? And every time I'd have started to get saved, he said, Yeah, Thurman, you old wicked guy. You, you don't think he's going to do that for you. And I'd, I'd be deceived. And, and none of us would ever. Have, we, there would have always been that doubt. We might have accepted him, but there would always been that doubt. Am I that one? But when he says, I come to save the whole world, then you can have faith to be saved and know you're saved. But also when you get a hold of the fact that Jesus come and when you learn that he healed you on the cross 2,000 years ago, you can have faith to believe it's done. Because when I got a hold of that and that word right there, as many of you know, that word sozo, 
That word sozo means those five things. Saved, healed, made whole, delivered, and preserved. And the day, well over 20 years ago, that I got a hold of that word in the Greek and learned what that word meant, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, after I'd read for hours that night, because that word's used 120 times in 103 different verses in the Greek New Testament. And I read them all that night. Every one of them. I, after that, I said, Lord, I do not understand. If that word is true, and it means what it says, why I have been sick so many times since I was 11 until now. He said, son, he spoke to me audibly. He said, son, the reason you have been sick is because you have never received me as your healer by faith in my word. Well, that night I got it. And I knelt there on the floor that night and I said, Lord, I am receiving you by faith as my healer tonight. Just like I receive you as my Savior. And from this day forth, I will never have another sick day. Now, let me tell you, you talk about something difficult to overcome. Because when you tell your Baptist brothers and sisters that, they all laugh at you. They laugh at you. Thurman, give me a break. Everybody's going to be sick. I said, you can be sick if you want to, but I ain't going to never be sick again. Well, they laughed at me. They made fun of me. They did everything, but I didn't believe them. I believed the Word, and I didn't go into doubt. And that's been well over 20 years ago. And I'm going to tell you, not one sick day. Do you have a question? Yes, just a minute. Let me get a mic. Absolutely. You can ask a question. Well, I study healing evangelists because that's just what I do. Smith and, you know... Marie Woodworth, Edder, and all of them. Now, and I'm noticing a pattern here that's troubled me, and I haven't gotten an answer from the Lord. I thought maybe you could help me. As you know, Catherine Kuhlman died pretty young in her 60s. She died from a heart attack. From what I've read in her memoirs, uh, she would have such that outrageous anointing to heal others Mm -hmm. on the platform. The minute she would leave that platform, she would go to the back in excruciating pain Mm -hmm. and be that way until she went back to that platform. You know, and then you're talking about like Gordon Lindsay, who started the wonderful, you know, Voice of Healing ministry mm-hmm. in 1948, same mm-hmm. time Israel became a nation. Mm-hmm. And Gordon Lindsay dropped dead on the platform. Mm-hmm. I think he was in his early 60s, and mm-hmm. he was the one who birthed Kenneth e. Hagin and many of those great healing evangelists of that movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never received uh, understanding from the Lord how those people could be used so mightily in healing and yet themselves be taken out early and unable to receive that healing within their own body. Do you have an answer? The Lord said in his word, according to our faith, be it done unto us. And another thing that I picked up on lately is the Lord says in his word that no man knows your sin. There is some sins that's open. Everybody knows you're doing it. But there's some sins that nobody knows you're doing it except God. And sin is what brings forth death. So only God knows these things. That's just like I'll tell you a story about a young lady. I told somebody this earlier today. Only God knew this sin in this young girl. This young girl come to me and she said, Mr. Scribner, I would give anything to hear God's voice. I said, well, honey, you love him, worship him, praise him, read his word, 
and call him in remembrance of his word, and the day will come. You'll hear his voice. He'll talk to you. As he's spoken to me many times. Well, only a few months later, this young lady, she had a, a boyfriend. She was not married. She had a, actually a fiancé. And they were going together really in love with each other and everything and had, was planning on getting married, <clears throat> of which later they did, all right. But in the process of planning on getting married, they were falling so deeply in love with each other. One night they were sitting out in the car just in the moonlight looking at the moon and they were kind of become passionate, just hugging and kissing and doing things that men and women do sometimes. And she was sitting there thinking, I just wonder what it would be like to go to bed with him. That's what was in her mind. All of a sudden, God spoke to her, called her name. I'll just use Susie for a name. It was not, her name was not Susie, but I'll just use it. He said, Susie, stop it. You're sinning. Boy, she said, I turned him loose and got her on the other side of the car. She come to me the next week and she said, Mr. Scrivener, I told you I wanted to hear God's voice. I heard it, but I didn't want to hear what he had to say. She was wanting him to say, oh, my daughter, well done, or something like that. But that's not what he said. Now see, who would have known that sin? Only God. The boy sitting beside her, her to-be husband, he didn't know that sin. But God knew that sin. Does he say he'll judge us for every sin we don't repent of? Yes, he does. Does he say lusting, even in your mind or your heart, is sin? Are you guilty of adultery? Yes, you are. Now, I wonder how many people have lusted and committed adultery in their heart, but never went to the act. But with God, you're just as guilty as if you committed the act. But how many people today commit the act and don't think they're guilty? See, now God alone knows those sins. Now, I don't, I don't care who it is. I, every, only God knows where our faith walk is. I don't care if it was any of these people you named or any of these evangelists. I don't care who it is. Only God knows our hearts. Only God. He knows our hearts. And so since He knows our heart, and since He knows that sin brings forth death, I mean, if He wants us to live longer, to use, be used further down the road... He will speak to us or do something, and He will call us to this. I remember one time the Lord spoke to a preacher and told him, He said, they were at a preacher's meeting, and this one preacher, he was sitting there talking in a circle to these other guys, and the Lord spoke to him and said, Go over and tell John, I'm doing all fictitious names now, He said, Go over there and tell John, after you all get through here, that if he don't control his eating, he's going to be dead in six months. Well, this preacher, the guy weighed 350 pounds. He said, God, I'm not going to tell him. Well, he didn't, and God judged him, and that man died in six months. But God judged this man, too, for not doing what he told him to do. Now, who knew that? Nobody knew that but that man until he finally told somebody. See, we don't know what goes on in the heart of Catherine Kuhlman. Now, Catherine Kuhlman, I know she walked under the anointing. I don't know how much scripture she knew, but I know that when she walked out on that platform, the Holy Spirit was there and it was flowing, but she didn't teach the Word of God. She just walked under the anointing. She didn't teach nobody nothing. 
I mean, people got healed and miracles happened and all kinds of things. But it was totally a flowing of the Holy Spirit. And it was, she just spent time with God. When that Spirit came upon her and she walked out there, she may be four hours late coming out on the platform. You know, she never started a service on time. Yeah. She'd come out when the Holy Ghost come. And people come and went and sat there for hours waiting for her to come out. But when she came out, things happened. But when she would leave there, her lack of knowledge of the Word. Now see, this is what I've done a little bit different than some people have done. I spent all those years studying the Word. I didn't know nothing about the Holy Ghost. God is leading me in a different way. He's got the plan. It was totally Him. I didn't have nothing to do with this, really. He moved on my heart to study His Word. And as I studied and learned and memorized and hid His Word in my heart, when I got enough of it in there, He said, okay, now I can use you. And He started using me. And it was blew me away. You know, I mean, it was, I was awestruck when God started talking to me. Now, I don't know. I don't know where the end of my life is. I have no idea. And I don't really want to know. You know, I just want him to use me. But I am going to claim his promises. And as I've stood on these promises, he said that if you'll study my word, walk in obedience to my word, I will renew your youth like the eagles. You know, so he makes me that promise. So I call him and remembers that promise pretty often. You know, and I believe that's why I'm the age I am and I can still do what I could do when I was 30. You know, I really believe that. You know, now I know men that's my age today. That's old. I mean old. You know, they can't do nothing. You know what I mean, right? I, just, I had a preacher here the other night when, at Bible study, and he said, I do not see how you stand up here for two hours. He said, I preach 30 minutes, and I'm wore out. Well, I teach a healing school four, five, and six hours. Or in Germany last year, I preached nine days in a row. And one day with the least one, I think, was six hours. Something. The rest of them was nine and ten and twelve hours a day for nine days in a row. Now, how do you do that? Only under the anointing of God. You know, But God alone knows my heart and your heart. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. And that's why, since He knows our heart, and He knows where we are in faith, when we walk in total faith, then our lives are longer. We can walk in His power. But He knows where we miss it. He knows what we do wrong. And He knows every one of those little sins that we do. And you can't hide nothing from God. And I'm going to tell you that when we sin, we get sick. It's just a fact of life. So when we don't walk in total faith, the Word of God says the shield of faith shall quench every fiery dart of the evil one. That means... And just like God says there in Psalms 91, it couldn't be any clearer than it is in Psalms 91 and 1 John 5, 18, that if we dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, which means if we keep ourselves pure and holy and walk in obedience to the Word, He says no evil can attach itself to you. You can't be made sick. But when we don't understand what that means, so we think, well, God doesn't mind if I do this or I do that. Yeah, He does. He really does. But the reason we don't know what sin is today because we don't read the book. We do not read the Word of God and see what He demands. And when He says, love your neighbors yourself. How many people have I run into in the last couple of years that don't love themselves and are sick and afflicted? Or how many people have Cheryl and I run into in the last two years 
that one or the other of the couples is down with cancer. And every time I see it, ask the question, have you got unforgiveness? And every time, that's the case. But see, the Lord said in his word, forgive everybody from your heart. If you don't, I will not forgive you. And then he goes a step further in Matthew 18, verse 35. He said, if you don't forgive everybody from your heart, I'll send the tormenting spirits to torment you. And most people don't believe he means that. The average Christian today does not believe God will send a tormenting spirit to torment you. But he said he will in his word. And he also said that in many places in the scripture, that if you don't forgive from your heart, neither will I forgive you. Which means if you die in that sin, you can't go to heaven. Because if you don't get up and God hasn't forgiven you, you ain't going to get in his heaven. That's a scary thing, isn't it? It really is. Most of us do not understand what sin is. Most of us do not understand what faith is. Most of us do not understand what pure and holiness is. We think, let me give you an example. Purity. We walk holy before God. No sin. Somebody says, that's impossible. God said in his word, purify yourself. He said, walk holy before me. He said, walk in no sin. Over and over and over. So, we take a five-gallon jug. I think some of this water that Fred has back here is the purest and cleanest water I know of. I wouldn't hesitate to drink any of that water. But let me say that all these little water bottles sitting around up here that Fred gives to us, if we want to give a donation for it, he leaves a box there. But if you don't want to give a donation, he lets you drink it for free. But what if I were to tell you tonight, we poured all that up out of a 10-gallon jug back there tonight, and just before we poured it in in bottles, I put one drop of pure arsenic in it. Now, how many of you are going to drink the water tonight? You ain't going to drink it, are you, brother? I mean, one drop of pure arsenic and 10 gallons of water, that ain't going to hurt nobody. But I ain't drinking it, are you? No, I ain't drinking it. It ain't pure no more. I mean, you look at it, it looks pure. It looks clean. You can't see that drop of arsenic in there. And if I hadn't have told you, you'd have probably drank it and it'd have been okay. But when I tell you it's there, you ain't drinking it. I ain't drinking it either, though, let me tell you. Let's see, that's what sin does to us. One little drop of sin. God knows that sin. And that little besetting sin will cut you off from God. It'll bring sickness and disease to your body. And you, people just don't understand this. You have to walk holy before God if you want to walk in health. And the devastating thing about this is in unforgiveness that if the man or the woman steps into unforgiveness, it opens the door to the devil, to not only to them, but to their whole family. The whole family. I've seen a many a time a child sick, or a husband, or a wife. In fact, several cases, husband sick, terminal cancer. The wife had the unforgiveness. Get her to repent, pray for the husband, he gets healed. I've seen it over and over and over. Or children. I've seen children, little children, down with cancer. Three, four, five years old. People prayed for them. Hundred people prayed for them. Thousand people prayed for them. Nothing happened. You go and find out the mother's got unforgiveness towards somebody. You get her to repent. Turn from her wicked way. One person prays for them. She gets healed. Baby gets healed. Just like that. I've seen it over and over and over. Sin. What is it cuts us off from the prayers of God? Sin. God says, he that has this hope in him purifies himself from sin. You know what it means to be pure? Stop sinning. You've got to start thinking like God for even to go there. You have, to, you have to watch it every day. 
It's so easy to make the wrong statements and sin. But if you want to, let's put it this way, and I'll ask this question and ask you to hold up your hand. How many of you, like me, you want to walk in divine health? Hey, every one of us want to walk in divine health. No, none of us want to be sick. Well, if you want to walk in divine health, you've got to do what God says in His Word. It's no exceptions to the rule. He made the rules, and He's the boss. I don't have that control over him. In fact, Dave and I was coming down here tonight, and we talked about something about God, and I said, yeah, if he wasn't bigger than me, I'd have a talk with him about that. <laughs> but I got a feeling he's bigger than me, don't you? Yeah, he's a whole lot bigger than me. And if he makes the rules, I only got one thing to do, that's abide by them. And so that's what we're trying to do. Now then, let's go to... Uh, Acts 14.22. Acts 14.22. It says, Where they helped the believers to grow in love for God and each other. Now, we are going to have to help each other to grow in the God kind of love. Because the God kind of love is what brings God on the scene. If you don't get into this God kind of love and start doing your best to do exactly what 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 says about the God kind of love, you're never going to walk in very much power with God. But if you want to really see God answer your prayer, then if you'll walk in this God kind of love, and we need to, we need to help each other, help the believers to grow in this God kind of love, for, to help each other, it says, then they encourage them to continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Now, do people get out of faith? Sure they do. I mean, I was reading Galatians coming back on the airplane today. I read the whole, whole book of Galatians but, and a couple times. But in some of the chapters, three and four times. But I was thinking there, how Paul said, Oh, you foolish Galatians. How easy have these people led you away from faith? You've gone back under the law. Now, isn't that amazing? They had the same problems then we got today. It hadn't changed a bit. These foolish Galatians, they received Jesus by faith, and now then we've got to do something. We've got to do something to make it work. Yeah, all you've got to do is stay in the faith. Believe God. Walk in love. Continue in the faith, in spite of all the persecution, reminding them that they must enter into the kingdom of God through many tribulations. Now, we don't, we don't do tribulations well. I don't like to go through tribulations, do you? But the Lord says we're going to encounter tribulations. He says they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So you and I need to just get ready for the persecutions and the trials and tests. It's going to happen. That story I heard somebody tell the other day, I, I know it was a joke, but they told the story for real, and they said it was a church somewhere in some foreign country where there was a, uh, two or three, four hundred people went to church there, and they went there, and then one day a bunch of hooded guys come in with their guns and said, all right, we're going to give you one chance. If you're a Christian and you profess to be a Christian and you really are a real Christian, you stay here. And if you're not, 
then get out that door because those that stay, we're going to kill you. If you're really a Christian and you stay in here, we're going to give you one chance to get out. And said, if you get out, you can get out. We won't hurt you. But if you stay, we're going to kill you. Now, how many of you are going to stay? <laughs> Not very many of us. It said out of that group, there was only 10 or 20 that stayed out of the two or 300. They all fled like crazy. Then the guy, after they all left, the guys took their hoods off and said, Okay, preacher, you can preach to these guys. They're real. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? When we're put to the test and persecuted, we flee, don't we? We don't stand the test of tribulation very well. Especially when it comes down to our life. Of course, as Cheryl and I was talking about the tribulation and all the stuff that appears is coming. Because, man, if I ever saw a time in my life... At the time of the Lord's coming is at hand. It looks like it's right at the door. I mean, what's going on in Europe and, I mean, Egypt and, I mean, Israel and all over the place. Islam and, I mean, battles everywhere. People are killing everybody everywhere. All kinds of things are happening. If I ever saw a time, you know, when we could need a peace pack over there for seven years, it's now. But boy, if that comes, man, we know it is near even at the door. But... We think about these things and this peace and all the stuff we're talking about. We think about good grief. Is it safe to fly on an airplane anymore? You know, I think about, you know, they won't. Do you know that they won't even let you take a bottle of water on the airplane today? We had to drink that bottle of water before we went through security. Can't even drink a bottle of water. You know, I, and Cheryl, I didn't think Cheryl could live without her makeup kit. But she made it two days without it. No, she had a miniature with her. <laughs> she, 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 put it, she put what she did take with her in her suitcase. But I didn't know this woman could live two days without a makeup kit. But I found out she can't. <laughs> and she's just as beautiful one way or the other. So on the way back... I put my arm around her and told her, I said, you know, didn't have a makeup kit. I looked at her and I said, you sure are beautiful. She said, thank you. <laughs> oh, you girls, y'all need to hear your husbands tell you you're beautiful. It goes a long way. But we, the Lord needs to hear us say, Lord, I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. Amen. You know, I'm a man of faith, Lord. I believe your word. I am a man of faith. I am a man filled with the Holy Ghost and power, Lord. I have the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you start saying that over and over and over, you know what? Eventually, you're going to get to where you believe that. If you say that enough. Wow, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm just like Paul said, we're not servants. Over there in Galatians today, he said, we're not servants no more. We're sons of God. You do things for your sons or your grandsons, you won't do for your servants, won't you? <laughs> sure. I mean, well, all of us will. And God will. He'll do things for you and me as children. I mean, give me a break. I mean, I, I think about Steve here. Steve will do some wonderful things for me because he loves me. But he won't do nothing for me like he'll do for that little thing sitting beside him there. That's his little daughter. He loves her, right, Steve? See, that's the difference. She's a daughter. I'm just a friend. But she's a daughter. See, and that's the way it is with us and God. When we become children of God, He loves us. He's made peace with us. And Paul said, we're no longer servants. We're sons. 
So come and ask the Father for what you want in faith, and He'll do it for you. That's what's so amazing about us. And the minute we start to ask God for something, if we've got any kind of a little besetting sin, the devil knows that little sin. He'll say, but you know, he ain't going to do it for you because you're so mean or so wicked. You know, maybe if it's his will, he's going to heal you. No, no, no. You can't go. You said, Lord, I've repented of every sin known and unknown. And I know I'm your son. And I know you've washed me and made me white as snow. All you told me to do is repent, and then you'd heal all of my problems. So, Lord, I have repented. I come to you in faith, and it's done. I'm standing on your word. And then you go and begin to thank him and praise him and worship him for your answer to your prayer, whatever it was you needed, and he will do it. He'll do it for you every time. It's so amazing when you step into that world of true faith. You get to see God do it. Now, sometimes he doesn't do it for you instantly. He doesn't. I mean, we've had lots of people in here give testimonies about certain things happened to them in the physical world, something, and we prayed for them. And sometimes it happens instantly, but sometimes it takes a day or a week or a month. And then it happens. But what's the difference? You got your answer, you know. So who cares if it took a day or a week or a month as long as we got our answer, you know. I mean, even like Dave back there. I mean, Dave, it took him over a year and a half to get his answer. But he got it. And through his trial and test, what do you think that did to his faith? I mean, today that man has great faith. I mean, he don't have little bitty faith. He has great faith because he saw the Word of God work for him. But Philip back there too, he's got great faith also. You know, I mean, Philip, of course, it took four weeks for the warts and scars to come off his body 11 years ago. But they've been gone ever since, praise the Lord. And another young man has great faith. And he's learning the Word. And the more he learns about the Word, the greater his faith gets. But he knows God answers prayer because he's received a tremendous answer. So he has faith. Now then, it says in Acts 14:27, upon arrival they called together the believers and reported on their trip telling how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too now what did God do to us the Gentiles he opened a door of faith to you and me are you and me glad he did that boy I'm glad obviously the door had been closed to the Gentiles because now he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now see, like Cheryl and I was talking about last night about the 144,000. These 144,000 Jewish witnesses, these men, Israel was supposed to have been the nation that God came to. And they were going to be the chosen nation that was going to go forth and teach the world about the Messiah. But they wouldn't even receive it themselves. God tried for years to get them to do it. And they would not. Finally, one day, he said, okay, if you all won't receive me, and most of them didn't, he said, I'll call men and I'll send them out to the Gentiles and I'll open this door of faith to the Gentiles. And I'll bring to myself a group of people that were not my people and I will make them my people. Now, aren't you and I glad? I am extremely glad that Israel rejected him for the simple reason it opened a door of faith to you and me. 
And now then you and I can be children of God. And we're supposed to go preach the gospel. But these 144,000, he's going to come back and he's going to open that door to them in the future. And these 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes is going to go out and they're going to be the preachers during the tribulation period. And they're going to preach the word of God like he's called them to do. They're going to do it. Israel's going to do what the king called him to do in the end times. And I think those end times are just right here. I think we are so close. If you haven't told your wife you love her, you better tell her today. Because there might not be a tomorrow. You know that? I mean, none of us know that. You know, nobody knows that. You know, so technically speaking, you know, we should walk in love. We should tell each other that we love each other. We should walk in the God kind of love and continue in this love because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We shouldn't do it because we think tomorrow might be the end. We ought to just do it because we just love. Because God told us to love each other, didn't he, brother? Yes, he did. So did you know, I, I love to be around people that love. You know, when we were down yonder, all these people, we met, all of them are loving and kind. And I thought last night, I thought, wow, how wonderful it is to walk into a place with all these people that I've never met, never seen. And I feel at home with these people. I mean, just like, no different than if I'd went to dinner with one of y'all. I felt like I'd known them all my life. And that's the way they felt about us. You know, can you imagine two women that never seen you before? I mean, really, for real. And just walk over and grab you and hug you right in the middle of the airport, Keith. You know, they, they got to feel like they know you, right? Sure, and they do because they've watched you and listened to you and they know that you love Jesus. And that's how these women could do this. And that, that's, that's, that's us, the body of Christ. That's, that's where we're supposed to live, be able to love. You know, to walk in that God kind of love. But I'm so glad that the Lord opened that door of faith to us, the Gentiles. Because since he did, that means you and me can walk where we walk today, Steve. We can come straight to the throne of grace anytime we want to. I mean, just the, the Israelites, they couldn't even do that. Only the high priest could come in there one day a year and then only with blood. But you can catch yourself to the throne of grace Anytime you want to and bring your petitions to the king. What a blessing, huh? Because he opened that door of faith. And then he, he made no dis distinction between them and us. For he cleansed their lives through faith just as he did ours. Now that's in Acts uh, 15.9. Acts 15.9. What does the king do through faith? Everything is done by faith. I mean, everything. This word faith. In Acts 15.32, it says, In Judas and Silas, both, having gifted, both being gifted speakers, preached long sermons to the believers, strengthening their faith. Now, see, there's a, right there is a reason to preach long. Ty's <laughs> looking at me over here. Oh, goodness. But these men speak, spoke or preached long sermons to build people's faith. Now, whenever people come to a healing school, why do you think I start at 1 o'clock and go to 5 o'clock with a healing school before I pray for people? Build their faith. Build their faith. Yep. Cheryl was one of those ladies that came years ago. 
She heard five hours. I mean, she had seen the night before with her daughter and been up late and then got up the next day and came to a healing school because she had had a sickness for years she couldn't get rid of. And she come and listened to me teach the Word of God for four or five hours and came up and repented of her sins. And I touched her in the name of Jesus and our King healed her right there a few years ago. Praise God. She's She's glad, I'll say that. And so I don't even know how many things she's had wrong with her since then. But I mean, I pray. I, I definitely don't ever run out of practice praying over my wife. <laughs> I mean, this last week, Christy, Christy run out of help out at her restaurant. She called mom and said, Mom, can you come out and be a hostess for me tonight? She said, well, I guess I can. So she dresses up and goes out there. And not only does she have to be a hostess, she turns up being I mean, delivering food to the tables. And I don't know what all she does. Well, Cheryl hadn't lift that kind of stuff in a long time. Boy, would she get great big old platters carrying out the tables full of food and all that stuff. She stretched muscles she didn't know she had. So I'm telling you that night, you talk about praying, Keith. When she got home, she said, you got to rub my back. you got to pray for me. <laughs> she called her daughter next morning and said, Christy. I'm going to file workman's comp on you. I'm sick. I'm hurting all over. Christy said, Mom, it's old age. <laughs> I told her, I said, it's not really old age. It's just not exercising the muscles enough. That's what the deal is. And I got so tickled. She said, Christy, I'm going to file workman's comp on you. She said, Mom, it's old age. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. You rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Yeah, it's, she told me the other day, when I asked her when we got married, I asked her, she said, how do you like my hair? I said, I want it to be natural and long. And so she's grown it out natural and long. And so she told me the other day, she said, when I get 60, one more year. She said, when I get 60, I'm not ever going to get any grayer. I said, uh-oh, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to put a rinse on my hair. I don't care what you say. <laughs> oh, me. Why is it you girls don't want to get gray? I mean, good grief. Gray's beautiful. <laughs> Cheryl don't want gray hair. She wants it brunette or something. So she tells me when she's 60, she's going to put a rinse on her hair. We'll see. <laughs> no, I know who will win that battle. <laughs> I already know who won that. No, it was about it. Okay. But anyway, if she wants to be a brunette and she dyes her hair, that'll be okay. I guess I'll have to dye mine black so I'll look young with her, see. So. <laughs> because if she, if she gets too young, you know, and she's married to too old a guy, you know, what might happen here, see? I'm old and she's young, see? No, no, no. Amen. There you go, Bray. I received that in the name of Jesus. Of course, that's written in the Word, isn't it? Yes, it is. Praise the Lord. Oh, so, and look, after what he did, he strengthened her faith. Then let's look at uh, Acts uh, 16.5, and let's see what he says there. Acts 16.5. So, after all these things he's doing there, it says, So the church grew daily in faith and numbers. Now, if you teach the Word of God and you have these long sermons, how many of you know that Paul preached sometimes all night long? Did you read about that? Yeah, he preached all night long. So if we're talking about God's Word, we ought to be interested. And when we come to Bible study or Sunday service or Saturday or whenever we come, we shouldn't come saying, okay, let's see, he starts at 
11, and we sing for 30 minutes, and we're out of here at 12. That should not be, that should not be the way we look at church. We should come to church to worship the king. You know, to put him first. And so if he's doing something, he's moving, and we're still here at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 6 o'clock. Who cares as long as God's doing something, right? As long as the king's showing up and we're learning something or he's doing something. I mean, like that Sunday. Let me ask this question. I want to ask how many of you were here, here a few years ago or a year or two, whatever it was ago. Uh, I, on a Sunday, the Lord told me, he said, everybody has pain. I want you to bring them up here and I want to heal them today. And so I asked, I said, I'd never done this before. I'd never done a service like this. We hadn't seen, we hadn't done nothing. I just said, the Lord just spoke to me and said he wants to heal everybody that has pain. We had a big bunch here that day. I said, Any, if you don't have pain, I don't want you to come up here. But if you've got pain, I want you to come up here. And about 25 people got up and come up here. And I thought, good grief, is that many people in pain here? And so we started down the list, taking each one. I didn't know what to do. I just said, Lord, they're yours. I lay them in your hands. I took them one at a time, stood them up here on the platform. And that day, 20 or 25 people and every person here that day got healed. How many of you were here that day? Anybody were here that day? Not a single person except me and Cheryl. We were the only one. Oh, back here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Y'all, I didn't see y'all back there in the back. Y'all were here, weren't you? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was only looking at the group right here. Y'all, y'all were back there waving your hands. But Cheryl told me later, she said, I got to trying to feel in my body. Lord, I have some pain somewhere so I can go up there so you can heal it for me. <laughs> but she couldn't find any pain that day, so she didn't come up. Oh, I know that. Yeah, no, that was over, was over two years ago then, one day. Yeah, must have been three years ago. But that day, we laid, I just laid everybody here in the hands of Jesus. I've never had a service like that before or after. But that day, I did what the king did, and we watched God heal about 20 or 25 people. Isn't it wonderful just for God to show up? Hey, I love it. When, after all, who's the church belong to? It's the Lord's. He can do what he wants to. And I just thought, wow, you want to heal everybody's got pain? They only want to heal those that had pain. So they came up here and one by one, we laid them in his hands. And I, like I say, I just said, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to lay in the hands of Jesus. He said he wants to heal you. So, Lord, here they are. And he did. He healed some of them. It took a minute, five minutes, ten minutes. But I don't think anybody was up here more than ten minutes. You know, I don't think. I mean, I was having so much fun. I don't know. You know, I was just letting Jesus do his thing. It was so much fun. Time didn't mean nothing to me. I was watching the king do his thing, and all of a sudden somebody said, my pain just left. I I don't have it no more. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, this is so much fun (laughs) to see you do these wonderful things. I've been in a church all my life and never seen nothing like that happen. Nothing. But I love to see God do those kind of things. But if none of y'all were here, wow. You missed a blessing that day. But there was a few of us, not many. But the church grows daily in faith and numbers. So we grow in numbers. And we need to pray that the Lord will grow our church in faith and numbers. We need more people to know what we know here. Because if what you know here or what you've learned here has changed your life, then you need to ask the Lord to bring a friend with you so they can learn what you've learned or you need to be teaching them what you've learned. One of the two. Because you're growing the church in faith and in numbers by what you're teaching them. And they're going to do it by what you say or what you teach them and tell them about what you've learned from God's Word. 
And then Acts chapter 20, verse 21. He says, I have one message for Jews and Gentiles alike. The necessity of turning from sin to God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what are we supposed to turn from? Sin. I have one message. Now, the the Living Bible says, I have one message for both the Jews and the Gentiles. In other words, that's everybody. One message alike. And it is the necessity of turning from sin to God. Through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to the King in faith and you ask Him to forgive you of your sins when you're a sinner out there in the world... When you learn about Jesus and what he's done, when you come and ask Jesus to forgive you and to save you, will he do that? Yes, he will. When you do it in faith. And you've got to do it in faith. If you've done it in faith, he knows and he will put his spirit in you and he will save you and he will recreate your spirit and it will become brand new and you will become a child of God. And that is the most important thing any ever happens to any human being on the face of the earth. And there's only such a tiny number that have that. Tiny, tiny little number. And verse Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says, And now I entrust you to God and the care and his care and to his wonderful words that are able to build your faith and give you all the inheritance of those who are set apart for himself. So now I entrust you to God. Same way. I entrust you to God and his care and to his wonderful words. Because if you get in his words, his words, if you study this book, it'll change your life forever, won't it? Absolutely. It'll change your life forever. And, that, and, and these wonderful words, they are able to build your faith. That's why we talk about the Word so much here. That's why at a healing school, that's all I do is teach you the Word. Teach you the promises of God. Teach you what sin is. How to get rid of sin. Repent from sin. And come to the Lord by faith. And He will meet your needs. He will set you free. He will heal you. He will deliver you. You know, I think about the people today, many of them say they're Christians, but yet they're working in places of business, even like this one right here. And I think about Christie's restaurant. I have no idea, of course, I don't know anything about Fred's business, whether they handle money here or not, I don't know. But I know at Christie's restaurant, they handle a lot of money. And because it's a restaurant, people pay by cash and checks and credit cards and everything else. And the other day, You have no idea how much money even people that say they're Christians steal from you. You have no idea how much product people steal from you. But the other day they found out in the software over at Christie's Restaurant, there was a glitch in it that if at a certain time when they put something in there, if it did a certain thing, they could wipe out a cash transaction. They could put the money in their pocket and the Christie would never know it. And a year later, this has been going on. And one of the guys and girls that had been doing this, they shared this with a new employee, which was one of Christie's friends. And she went to Christie and told her what they were doing. So Christie has gone back and checked. 
and there's thousands and thousands of dollars been stolen from her since last year by employees. Now, you wouldn't think people wouldn't do something like that to you. Let me tell you, the world will steal from you. You know that? The world will steal from you. And some of those people that's stealing say they know Jesus. Why in the world would somebody that says they know Jesus steal? When Jesus says, you shall not steal. You think God don't know everything you've stolen? Did you know that, I'm going to tell this last story and we're going to quit for the evening. There was a girl we couldn't get healed one time. And I said, this has got to be a sin somewhere. So she went to the Lord. And she said, Lord, I've got to know what I've done, why I'm not getting my healing. And he said, you know, when you were, he told her what age and where she was working with a company, you stole from that company $25. And she said, it was so many years ago, I had forgotten it. And she said, Lord, that's absolutely right. I took that $25. I had forgotten it. I, I had to have that money back in that day. And I didn't think nobody in the world knew that. But let me tell you, he knew that. And he had never forgotten it. And he said, if you want to get healed... You're going to go back to that company and tell them you sold that $25 and you're going to pay that $25 back and you're going to pay it back with interest and this is the interest and this is how much you owe. And he told her how much she had to pay back. And she paid it back and she got her healing. Isn't that amazing? People don't think God knows what you've done. But let me tell you, when you get to heaven, you better make sure today, before you leave here today, that if you've got any kind of sin, known or unknown, you better repent of it. Because when you repent and turn from that sin, the Lord says, I've washed that sin. In fact, that's Cheryl's favorite verse. Psalm 103, 12. He puts my sins as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them again. Well, I'm grateful for that verse too. But every one of us better be grateful for that verse. Because every one of us has sinned far too many times and we all know it. So when we repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Now, if, I've, if I have misused somebody or done something wrong, if there's something I need to repay, call it to my attention. And when he brings it to your attention, don't say, I rebuke you, devil. That's the Lord trying to tell you you've done something wrong. And you need to get right. And if you will do that, then you can walk holy and obedient to his word. And you can walk in divine health. And nobody wants to be sick, right? No, nobody wants to be sick. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this evening. We thank you and praise you for all these faith scriptures. And Lord, we ask, you, we rebuke the devil, or he don't steal a single word out of anybody's mind or heart when they leave here tonight. And Lord, even tomorrow and next week, he will not be able to steal these words from their heart. But they will keep these words in their heart so they'll walk in obedience to your word, walk in faith and power with you, so great and wonderful things can happen as they speak in faith as they walk in love and walk holy and pure before you. Now, Lord, thank you for this evening. And, Lord, I thank you for all those that will come up for prayer tonight that need something. I thank you in advance for meeting their needs and forgiving their sins and healing their problems or meeting whatever the need is. And we want to give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, then, if you haven't been here before, all the media back there is free. You can take a sack and take anything you want. We give it away.
And if you need to be prayed for or need to make any kind of decision for the Lord, if you'll come up here, we will talk with you or pray with you, and the Lord will meet your needs.